SheQuest podcast is heart-opening dialogues for self-identify women on a SheQuest, a movement moving forward, striving to live aware, bold, and whole. Welcome. Hi, SheQuest. Welcome to SheQuest podcast. I'm your host, Estelle Thompson. What a time to be alive. Our hearts relentlessly attached with more turmoil and heaviness and crisis. And lately, I've been more than ever committed in unearthings of my own unconscious biases. Shadow work is a fundamental part of SheQuest, along with learning art and yoga tools to make you comfortable with your discomforts. At SheQuest membership this month, we are exploring the wise woman tradition and our love for nature in general. I've called this month Earth Keepers because reestablishing ourselves in nature and its cycles is a true line at SheQuest. We are doing soul work for stability, safety, and through this work, may we feel protected and supported. I've just finished an online retreat called Green Magic with uh, Kimiko Tao Fujimoto and Amanda Giocamini. And whilst I knew a little bit about the wise woman tradition, they've really re-inspired my love and learning about it. And I wanted us to take an entire month to dig deep into its riches and invite them here on the show. And I was so happy when they said yes. <laughs> um, and so we have Kimiko here. Is a, She's a creative ritualist and mystic walker on the path of soul empowerment. As a Shakti initiate, her offerings are held by the Divine Mother through service, intuition, and devotion. She is an earth priestess who blends the arts of herbalism, shamanism, yoga, and sound medicine into embodied practices that awaken one's innate evergreen magic. Her teaching bridge cross-cultural storytelling with ancient mysticism to ground the sacred into everyday living. She's known for her wildflower presence, reminding us of the joys of running barefoot in the soil and flying with the stars. Kimiko, I think that's my favorite line of your whole bio. (laughs) Uh, Kimiko is dedicated to holding space for others to channel their spiritual uh, sovereignty with love, lineage, and legacy. And she's based in Montreal, Canada. And uh, tends to her temple as speakeasy for the spirit where she offers mystique mentorship, ritual, kundalini residency, and global retreats through her school of ritual. Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Deep honor to be here. <laughs> because uh, being on a chic West is striving to live aware, bold, and whole. I start all my podcasts with the ritual of asking um, all my guests, what makes you feel alive today? Um, what makes me feel alive today is, is what I feel. You know, my sadness, my grief, my softness, my ability to trust, um, to trust it all. And really, whatever, you know, I've, I feel alive every single day, whatever I feel, that's what makes me feel alive. That's who I am, where I am, and how I live each day. I really try to feel into each day, each moment as much as I can. So I really deeply honor what, um, even if I'm not in a flying high with the stars, I really, that's like the depth, the soil, the heaviness is, is with me a lot. So it, it actually does enable me to be really here in the earth and with myself and with each other. Can you, Kimiko, tell us about, tell us about you. And, and before we came on, on the podcast, you, you said, you know, you love sharing your ever evolving story. And that's, and that's how we call it here at SheQuest. We call it our she story, ever evolving she story. I'd love to know about your cultural upbringing, kind of what led you to who you are today as an herbalist and priestess. And uh, yeah, I just, I just love to know more about you. Stories are like labyrinths and it's always, 
hard to consolidate it all. <laughs> um, so I will start from the very beginning. Um, I could say that my roots um, in my culture, for sure, are a very big part of who I am. I was born in California, and I'm a Yonsei, which is fourth generation Japanese American. And then I grew up there amongst the fields. And of course, I was very wild in a sense. I was always adventurous. Um, my mom would often say we had to lock the house because you would always escape. <laughs> And there was a time where my mom locked herself out of the house because uh, she thought I was outside, but I was inside. And so I was kind of like my life. I'm always kind of breaking out of boxes. And that's why my journey always ends up going. I, I strive towards something and then I just end up like breaking out the box and then going in another direction, going in another direction. So I've had many lives since since my upbringing and then more recently up until I was 25 I had only seen myself as a Japanese full-blooded American until I found out that my biological father was actually someone who was different um, than who raised me all my life so that kind of spawned a whole new awakening for myself. So I came to Montreal to find my biological father who is French Canadian. And so it is that I found my biological father and he actually is a mystic and a healer. And so in some way, I've always been on this path. Um, I've always been seeking the mystical path, even before I knew that that was in my blood, my mother as well. She was always very spiritual and my family was very much um, very supportive in exploring yourself and being free and being able to be creative. And I didn't have like a very typical Asian upbringing of rigidity. It was really open-ended. And upon meeting my biological father, Mark Tremblay, <laughs> it was just, it was, I just had so much more love. I had like double the love. So mm -hmm. I actually had to find him. I had to go through a private investigator to find him. And I did. Wow. So the cosmos very much were aligned in our re-meeting because he also, upon hearing that I was his daughter, because when my mother was younger, she had told him that it, he wasn't the father, so he kind of left, but he always wanted a daughter. And so when we met, he was ecstatically happy to have had his dream come true. And I was ecstatic to have double the love. So my life has been really blessed with a lot of love from my family, and that's really kind of the root of what keeps me like really centered in my heart as well as confident and adventurous. Like I don't think I would be as adventurous as I would be if I didn't have just the unconditional love for my family. So they're really been a big part of my soul journey. And I actually feel like I evolved away from them as I went and sought who I was only to then return to them. You found your dad, but you found so much more than that almost. Yeah, I, I found, well, in a way I really, I didn't find a new dad because my, my dad who had raised me is my primary father figure, but I actually found a teacher. And so Mark became a great teacher in the ways of my spiritual path and always actually, I guess, like keeping me on course. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was, he's been a good um, course keeper and I learned a lot from him and in a way I've followed his footsteps his lineage but in my own way so I feel yeah. kind of like no matter what step I take I'm always on my destiny yeah for sure wow and you didn't meet him until you were 25 yeah how old are you now if you don't mind me asking I'm 40 wow are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm 40 incredible and are you like close to him now because you live in Montreal no yeah he lives in Granby so yes I see him yeah. as much as I can um 
So yeah, we're I've I have two families, so it's kind of very abundant in my life as far as family. I know Grand Bay very well. I grew up in Quebec. I'm from Quebec originally. So talk to us about the wise women tradition and like how did you get to learn about this? I know in the retreat you you talked about uh, one of your teachers that you had. Was it Susan Weed? Yes, I know, right? Um, yeah, it's a it's a book called Healing Wise, and that's kind of one of the main sort of uh, kind of classical herbalist texts that you read through um, many different schools. I I did my initial herbalism sort of initiation through a school called Gaia School of Healing by Sage. Um, and she's in Vermont and she has a farm and it's really hands-on and it's a spectacular, incredible experience. Um, and she's also, I think, doing some online stuff now. So it's really accessible for people who can't go to Vermont. I chose that one because I really wanted to connect deeply with the plants, given that my lineages have always been direct experience. So I wanted to find ways that you don't have to read in a book about the plants and to sit with them and be with them and learn how to take care of them. And so that's what that course offered. And upon taking that course, it, it did also go in line with many of the other traditions that I'd studied with um, the Divine Feminine and many yogic, older yogic um, philosophies and texts with the sacred divine feminine worship so it was about always merging and blending and bridging all the different voices together and knowing that most of our transmissions of sacred medicine does come from the feminine and it comes from stories and it comes from their voice and sound and resonance and and so the voice of the wise woman is is voice it is not only the voice that you hear but the voice you know is like I'm talking now but also the silence and the unspoken too and so that comes forth when you can you know sit and listen and hear and receive And that's one of the, the biggest parts of the wise women tradition is the receptivity, holding space for that. When you started studying that, was it really in uh, when you went to that school? No, I've been studying it. A lot of, I have a lot of uh, teachers that are female, so we tend to like go towards that tradition of like what yeah. of feminine archetypes and so forth and really learning through storytelling. I think it was more the idea that I think it synergized a lot of the different things by taking, by going into nature and understanding the origins of all of this magic. Um, mm. So kind of like you go into the roots of it all. It's pretty much kind of also part of my seeker in that I, I I'm, I'm looking for those stories. And I find that a lot of times like they're hard to find and they haven't been documented. So it's been part of my sort of scholarly approach in life to, to seek out those stories. So I've always been in this tradition, but I guess I wouldn't have said it was a tradition that sort of, I guess, synthesized approach, right? It was just always there. It's just now there's kind of more of a bit of a idea about it as it being a way in which to see the whole, your whole world. Instead of just yeah. like the wise woman stories, it's like this is the wise woman philosophy or way of life that's been lost and yet not ever. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's the whole point. It's never been lost, really. I mean, that's the paradox of it is that it's always been there, and it's but it's in it's in the undoing that we find her. It's hard to to label it or to say where it is or where it began or what it's all about because it kind of wants to break all of those ideas down too at the same time. Uh, what you're saying, it lands so much for me because I, I feel when you hear about the tradition, I was like, Oh, that's the name of it. Like I, but it like, you know, it's about your intuition and your inner knowing. And then it's like, Oh, it was, it's like just almost like a, a remembering, you know, remembering like she's there almost at all times. 
I love that quote that you shared at the beginning of the retreat. Do you know which quote I'm talking about? The one with about how the old old black crippled women? Yes, that one. Yeah. And I think it had like a spiral to involve in that quote. Such a yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and that's from Susan Weed as well is from that book, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we'll have to put that in the, in the show notes. It, it does give a great representation because she journeys and speaks with the plants. And so she gives voice to the plants, which is part of the wise women tradition. So you can have a bit of the, the properties and the medicine and the quality of, of herbalism, but you also have the transmission of the plants themselves. So she does a lot of journeys and she writes them. And a lot of that book is also her, her journey with hearing and listening and transcribing the stories and the, um, the messages that she herself receives from the plants. So cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. Uh, my next question, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I, I love hearing you. I could listen to you talk all day, I think. Um, why, why do you think nature heals us? Because it is us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said remembering, and I think part of my journey has been to remember that I am nature. I feel mm-hmm. that because I've lived in the city for so long in a, in a very sort of resistant way, you know, oh, I'm, I need to live in nature. I need to be in nature. Uh, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and then I kind of forget, oh, wait a minute. What is the nature of my being? What is the nature of what is right here? You know, that everything is nature. And, and so learning to break down the, the divisions that we place, the separation that we place between humans and nature I think is the true healing Um, just as we're trying to do that with racism and to be able to see everybody as important as sacred as worthy of of life and so I think that in order to heal we're not going to take care of something that we don't appreciate or love Um, so finding ourselves in the relationship of nature is my family how all of it is like the trees are my brothers and sisters the um you know the even the the gravel the rocks the stones even the cement i mean even the everything that we built has a sacred you know shakti to it it's been created um in co-collaboration so i think the more we kind of stop separating things the easier we can find that sense of wholeness which is what i think we all yearn for um so part of the healing is connecting ourselves back to nature and seeing how we've never not been part of nature and also what we can do to then support like a tighter bond so that, you know, as we act, as we do, we're always in relationship to nature and there's this sacred reciprocity. There's no way, there's no part of my life, there's no moment of my life that I'm not in sacred relationship to nature. that's kind of a a practice right at first and then it becomes almost like a return to how our ancestors live relationship with the the spirits of nature yeah you said um we yearn for it i don't think we yearn for it i think we're so hungry for it we are starved for it (laughs) do you do you find that too or yeah absolutely um, we're starved for a lot of things, and I think a lot yeah. of it comes down to connection. And so, c- coming into authentic connection, you know, whatever lights you up, yeah. however you want, like whatever part of nature. Like, I love the desert. Not everybody loves the desert. Like, there, there are so many things about nature. Some people like the bugs, and people don't like the bugs. You know, like it's about <laughs> like finding like. And, you know, that's the same thing with herbalism that we, we talked about. It's like you have to love it. Like it's about loving it. So it's it, mm. it's not about protecting nature. Nature doesn't need to be protected. Nature needs to be loved. If nature is loved, we're not going to abuse it, right? So it's learning about falling in love with nature so that it becomes undeniable that you wouldn't treat it well, that you wouldn't take care of it, that you wouldn't nourish it like a child. And that's what I feel like the connection is like, what can we do to connect in our heart to then actually want to go out and care for this earth, actually take a moment to 
in your day to go and just like stand in the sun or put your hands on the earth and just take a moment. We don't, we think of nature as being so, you know, I was a wild child. It's like, Oh, I got to get to the wild. It's like, it's part of it is wherever you stand, you're an earth keeper to that spot on this earth. So that's your entry point and connect from there and see where it takes you. So good. Wherever you stand, you're an earth keeper of this. It's so good. Go. <laughs> so good. Um, I, a lot of my work with nature and it kind of did it. It didn't even do it, do it on purpose, but so much of it has been healing my, the relationship with my body. And, you know, I've been doing yoga for so long and stuff. And it's, it's, I think I just got that like literally like four or five years ago, I was like, oh, my God, the more time I spend in nature, the more I like feel softer and more forgiving in my own body. Have you had these moments where you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> like nature is doing this to me. And- Every day. I mean, it's definitely what, you know, it's definitely what is what keeps me going. It's what I, I know. That's what I said. It's just like it's it's pulsating in my body all the time. And it's like just oh, when time. I feel it and I'm communing with it, then it's it's really magical. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> like, you know. Pausing this ever-expanding conversation to let you know that I've heard you loud and clear. Not everyone likes subscriptions and be tied up in memberships, and I totally get that. This month, you are finally able to partake in single-handed programs and workshops originally only available through the Art and Yoga channel access. Finally, pick and choose the offering that's right for you. Make a one-time investment and access online for two months at a time. Visit EstelleThompson.com. That's E-S-T-E-L-L-E-T-H-O-M-S-O-M.com to check my a la carte art and yoga offerings and begin your journey into the ever-evolving creative and yogic lifestyle you've always wanted. You're welcome. Now back to our chat. No, it's an important point, you know. It's not easy, like that interplay, because it's it's kind of almost like giving the heaviness back to the earth. You know, that process itself, like that, the letting go, that's almost like hard. Man, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but yeah, to, to know she's there, you know. Like I, I've told a lot of people, like I've digged holes in the earth and like I've talked to the hole. <laughs> And like, that's been like, so such an amazing thing to do for me where like, okay, I'm just giving back all this shit to the earth that will like, does that make sense to you? Like I've done like, have you done things like that? Perhaps like, I know Amanda, she she loved, I love your relationship. And she seemed very like, you know, just witnessing you, I guess, with nature, you know, your relationship with nature and all. Because I guess we all have our own, you know. I think that's one of the, one of the things that I I like to co-create space for us to, to to explore ways that we would interact with nature. You know, as like a ritualist, it's like how do I exchange with nature and and this sacred reciprocity because she is and or nature is t- is taking all of us. It's feeling all of this and it's and it, and she's so regenerative that yeah, you can blow your pain into her and she'll blow back whatever you need and it's like you breathe with her all the time right the inhale and the exhale and um so my i think my turning point was and my rituals and yoga was that oh it wasn't what the earth could do for me it became what could i do for the earth and so i think Ah. part of my journey is you know how do i take care of you know like the earth keeper is like I'm here to know its sacredness, to take care of its sacredness, and to, to sort of like almost like the permaculture, just my hands can just like slightly help her just kind of find her way again, you know, and find the wildness again, or, you know, like just turn to her and, and say thank you, you know, because I take her for granted. I mean, we all do. I, I mean, I not a date, like I, 
I mean, part of my like pain has been the grief of just not being able to be completely conscious all the time and integral all the time and, and, and recognize the, the joy and the beauty that is, is always a present because I get really wrapped up in my like mental world sometimes, especially right now. Uh, so that's why like when you work with plants and you work with the, the herbs and it's just, you say thank you first because the medicine's already been given. The plants, they want you to play with them. what does nature like for example flowers or herbs like what do you think if you had to link them with like women like waking up or women empowerment maybe tell us how how nature can help the plants and the flowers and and the beauty of these is it's just that they're this is how our femininity evolves it's like very much in the secular cycles of the seasons it's very much in the death rebirth dying process you know it's definitely about seeing the evolution and the maturation of the plants as your own journey and so not being afraid of like the parts when your leaves are a little bit wilted or they go brown or that the energy goes back into the soil goes back into the seeds into the roots you know and it's um in my traditions we have the secular aspects of consciousness which is we have the the birth the idea and then you have the sustaining ability right so you you birth this sprout into being you birth your ideas into being you birth who you are into being and then you nourish it and you sustain it and you tend to it and you take care of it and then there's the change there's the shift there's the sort of the deconstruction the dissolving of that idea or that part of yourself and then it comes into what we call the concealment the darkness the um, emptiness where you don't know which way is up or down and that part is the held essence of being in the womb being back in the mother Mm -hmm. it's watching the plants go back and returning into the womb of the earth and then and you don't know the seeds of that potential yet you don't even know how it's going to break through the soil and grow again the next season or the next day or you know you never know when like that part of you is going to like resurface um, in your life and so then you you hold that space and you you hold the death in deep reverence and you hold sort of like the where there might have been something you hold space for again the revelation that which will re- be reborn. So the next cycle of spring and the next way that the flowers start to grow or letting yourself see yourself like you would see a flower. You love flowers. They're so beautiful. And, and you and you think of it as separate, but it's you. It's just a reflection of your own life. And so I say adorn yourself with flowers, adorn yourself with the plants, um, sit with them, speak with them. They're great teachers in this, I would say, in this liberation of, of our feminine ways because it has been for many years in the dark and quiet and unspoken. And yeah, so they're they're allies. They're a great ally on this journey. Oh, I'm all, I'm like cheering you on over here. <laughs> I, uh, I think flowers have been my greatest teachers, you know, and symbols as well. But um, to never, I mean, and in yoga too, like your body is basically like a tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Your body's like a flower. And again, you know, we forget and it's like that conscious aware, you know, aware act of just remembering and I love you said adorning yourself with with flowers you know mm-hmm. we kind of like lost that art you know of mm-hmm. of fresh of fresh flowers you, how big is your garden Kimiko <laughs> mm, I have a few well I have my indoor um, temple space that I have and I have all my plants inside we have like a little terrace which is um I don't know, not very big. And then we have a little plot of ground that's in the alley that I let be wild and I just tend to. Um, And then I I tend to go out into the city and I have a few little areas that I sit and think of as my like secret gardens, even though they're just these little public spaces and empty lots where pretty much people just think are trash cans. But so, you know, I tend to the trash and I... 
I, you know, talk to the flowers and the plants and it's it's kind of like my little gorilla gardening. I want to plant some things, but I planted my seeds quite late this year, so they're still just little babies, so I have to wait in order to do that. So I've taken an initiative to expand out of my little apartment and just kind of see what's out in the city. So that's this big, that's my garden's kind of like the whole city right now. <laughs> you know, obviously, I think I know the answer to this question, but how has the relationship with nature, you know, influenced your life? I think perhaps all of it, but can you talk to us a bit more about like how maybe does the wise woman tradition, you know, influence your life? Was it just more after you found out about, you know, put a name to it or? Living in the city has been really hard for me because it's not my natural element. Um, So I went through lots of depression in um, wanting to figure out a way to return to being in nature like more like on a more like consistent base, whether it's like living with nature or communing with nature, or I knew that, um, that that was the thing that was missing from my life the most. And I didn't know how to reconcile that. So I just, I went on a very big spiritual journey and pilgrimage to into nature. And, and, and that's why I did shamanism, different things like that, so that I can journey and be work communion with nature and the spirits wherever I was, instead of feeling like I had to like travel to Bali every like chance I got, (laughs) you know, so I really was, it's been a very deep drive inside of me to work with the land and um, to, to bring people back to the land. So it's been something that I've been on for many, many years now before even doing herbalism, before even the wise women's um, tradition. So it really became a way for me to heal myself and to figure out like how to to break out of these sort of like city walls that that mm. I've, I've always felt kind of at not against but like I, I know the bounty of it but I, I'm also like uh, how do I get out of it <laughs> it's not ending because it's it's every day I'm I'm really in meditation on how to be in more communication with nature. And I find that the wise woman path gives me the softness and the resilience and the sort of patience required to know that it is a journey and that it's not about getting there. It's every, you know, it's a process. And it's kind of like almost the unlearning, like I'm just learning to undo so much of my old patriarchal way. We forget just how patient and slow, (laughs) you know, like the earth is. I think like that, that really rings true. Something I always kind of, you know, the world is like just so fast, you know, and to remember it's like, soul work is slow work, you know, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. slow. And the patient, I think it's such a virtue to live a spiritual, aware, awakened life. And the Mm -hmm. earth can really kind of remind us of that. And I'm wondering if you have ever thought about like, the fact that you live in a city now, like finding all these creative ways to like commune with nature, like how much you're just learning to widen your lens, you know, when it means to journey with the plants in the city you know for you do you think so <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean that's the thing it's like journey of wholeness is the journey of accepting wherever you're at right and yeah like, that's and like the sacred like I said the sacredness of recognizing the need to take care of this piece of land this little colonized land like yeah that need to be cared for and loved and tended to instead of used and exploited there's there's a lot of beauty in the city and I had to my father always said you have to learn your freedom through limitation and I did, and I kept going no <laughs> I think that the journey with the plants has had been that you know the the need to recognize like even a plant in a pot you know needs that sort of boundary to kind of hold its roots so that it can grow you know so there's there's things about my journey that I fought against and I still fight against, but I know that it's a gift as well. 
I'm super proud to have partnered with Hippie, a Canadian skincare company, and offering you 30% off all their products. I've been using Hippie Groovy Glow, Pore Hustler, and Jomo Mask, and I've completely fell in love with this not only natural clean, but sulfate-free, alcohol-free, and did I say Canadian product? Hippie's mission is to simplify your skincare routine and bring practical, effective solutions to your moody skin. Their belief is that feeling beautiful in your own skin is a right, not a privilege. Hippie's offering Chic West podcast listeners 30% off with the coupon ChicWest30. Go to www.hippies, that's H I pbees.com and claim your 30% off any product in their shop today. That's SheQuest30, S-H-E-Q-U-E-S-T-30. I'm really excited to bring this mindful and sustainable plant-based skincare in the SheQuest family. Enjoy glowing skin. Bye. You have to learn your freedom through limitations. It's, uh, in creativity, it's a lot about that. When you put, you like seriously, sometimes you have to put constraint on yourself so that you can bloom more, you know? Does that make sense? Like, it's like sometimes it's like, oh, you just have this and that. Like what, you know, you get creative that way. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's my entire life. I mean, that's my, that's what I do. You know, I call myself a creative ritualist just because I basically am creative every single day. Like that's my thing. If I'm not, I'm not really, I've never not been creative every single day. Yeah, if I'm I'm dead inside if I don't create. <laughs> I have to create every day. If not, I don't know. I I just go go nuts. I love that. I love that you call yourself a creative ritualist. Like, wow. How did you That's just beautiful way. Um yeah, I love that. Somebody would come up to you, Kimiko, and be like, "I feel so disconnected with nature and flower and herbs." You know, how how would you help them? Like somebody is really feels just so separated. Like how, what's like the easiest way you think, like hands-on way we can start a relationship with nature like today? Well, definitely, you know, going out in your, wherever you're at and seeing, you know, what's around you, whether it's like a tree in a park. Like what I like to do is I always say, find one little plot of like land or just something that like you can return to on on a continual basis like you would to your meditation you know cushion and and it could just be like a place in a park right it doesn't have to be private it could just be something like that and just go and sit there and just watch and feel and just start to notice like every day you know all the things that change in that in that space and and notice how and be receptive to talk to nature so we like to talk to our friends and we like to listen to podcasts and they're amazing like this one but also like you could you just have to sit there and just speak to nature and that's Mm -hmm. one of the ways of the wise woman is just speaking to nature like she is your best friend and that then becomes a really beautiful way to let yourself be vulnerable and let yourself be receptive and heard and seen and held in nature. And then another way could be just to get yourself like one herb plant that you get from the grocery store and you just, you know, grow it and you take care of it. And you, again, you can just have it as your friend, pet it every day, water it every day, you know, give it offerings, give it, um, love and, and just watch it grow. I mean, that's part of the mission, right? Of the earth keeper is tending to what's, what's here, what's available. So I think there's ways that I would always encourage everyone to literally, you already love nature. So just follow that, like whatever that was, like whatever about nature that you're like, I'm disconnected from well, what what in your past have you ever just like oh I love redwoods or oh I love like lavender or I love I remember as a kid I I used to eat plums or you know whatever it was like just keep following that feeling of love and and you'll return to her 
in an instant. So beautiful. Tell us your own favorite like personal tools for self-growth or I'm sure you have many, but like your your favorite soul rituals, perhaps like of this season, like right now we're we're almost at the solstice and uh, what does that look like for you? I get so inspired by knowing other women's soul rituals. Um, definitely would be sun worship, especially since we're going into solstice. Mm-hmm. So just lying out in the sun, that is a wonderful way to like supercharge yourself. That's I'm a sun worshiper. And that was probably another reason why being in Montreal was not... Um, my cup of tea. So <laughs> meditating on the sun was always what I was doing. I thought like I thought it was like my mission too. I was like, I'm gonna bring the California sun with me wherever I go. And so part of that is like, yeah, total devotion to the sun. Like mm. absolutely. Like either I'm, you know, making my sun teas or just you know just walking in it. I mean like I, I find like my soul rituals are just they're whatever makes me feel juicy, whatever makes me feel like just divine or I'm someone who resists. Uh, like I said, I think I put myself as a creative ritualist because I resist a uh, routine. I resist mm. like this is the way to go. Or I, I, and I try to actually, that's why I called my my practice is like school of ritual it's not emulating the same ritual that i do it's really finding whatever rocks your boat whatever way you want to create these sacred practices for yourself and like it's about being in total direct connection to spirit for myself and so it is never ever the same every day it's like there's i'm always like oh i'm gonna do this or oh i'll do that and and i think I think it's fun that way. That's why it keeps me in the game <laughs> all the time. Because uh, I think uh, I rallied a lot before about like the idea of needing to strive or to work or to practice or to sort of like, you know, take care of myself um, became kind of like another abstract sort of external mandate. And then mm. I just decided to listen what does my soul want to do today? How does my soul want to play today? How does my soul want to dance today? How does it want to sing today? How does it want to create today? How does it want to make love today? How does it want to like see the world today? So that's my practice. If there was a practice. We'd get along really well because I, I feel too, I do something creative every day, but it it's very often does not look like yesterday what I do today will not look like tomorrow. And it took me so long to get over that. Like, you know, I just wanted things to be so perfect and the same. And I think that really comes from the male kind of striving side where like, you know, and I, yeah. And I think still to this day, like sometimes I, oh, shouldn't it look this way? And it's like, no, like do what feels, I love that word juicy. Like do what feels juicy. Like, what do you love? Like, you know, do that, you know? If you follow that, it is perfect, right? So if you yes. like <laughs> pretty perfect when it's when you go that direction. It's like with ever anything that you kind of are like, oh, why is it gonna be like that? I always find you embrace the gifts of that. So I embraced my perfection and perfectionism became also the way in which creativity strives to make itself known, right? So it's like this, the, the skill of like crafting something, the skill of like how nature really like tends to its beautiful shapes and colors and like there's, so there's, there's a richness to that, but it's, it's then being able to let the attachment to it go. So a lot of, then you know, the, the work of like composting, like letting it, letting things just die and get festery and ugly and, you know, like too. And then, and then it kind of I find like it balances itself out. Maybe one last question before the quick answer. Um, do you have things that you do to just ground yourself? I mean, definitely. I I, I love just even just touching my body, just with my yeah, hands. Yeah. It's 
very simple. And I also just, I often just squat down and touch the earth. Like I just, Mm. just, I'll take my hand to my, I'll touch the earth and I'll take it to my heart. And so it's just a way of like passing through the threshold, like passing through like different doorways, different moments in life, just to like touch the earth and let her bear witness to wherever you are, you're at at that moment. So wherever I'm at, I'll just like touch the earth. I like to sit on the earth. I mean, um, I'm on the floor often. And so whenever I'm like going cuckoo, I'll just squat on the, like wherever I'm at, I'll just like sit. Sometimes I'm like. Squatting too, because I yeah. feel like that, that brings me back when I was a kid, you know, and I, I, yeah. I watch it sometimes like just, oh man, like they're just squatting and their legs are just outward and they just mm-hmm. and I find too like when I because sometimes when like I'm writing something it's like not coming I'll I'll sit in like a wide legged it's almost as if my I wonder if my our tailbones have something to do with like harnessing the earth like something because like I find sometimes I get my best idea if I'm like literally like on the floor on my oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like the more you can bring your your yoni to the earth, the more creative you'll be. All right. So my last questions are kind of just quick answer. Are you ready? Okay. Do you have a favorite mantra? Yeah, I really like Om Namah Shivaya because it means mm. all the elements of the earth. Uh, that'll be hard for you, the next one. But um, favorite flower? A rose. Oh, rose. I was so into the rose last year. Um <laughs> <laughs> I go through seasons. Yeah, that was just always a constant. So it's good. Um, I have here favorite book about anti-racism or like any book. I mean, we're talking about like nature and wise women transition, but um, I'd love to know a favorite book of like right now. Yeah, right now I'm reading um, See No Stranger by Valerie Carr. And it's basically a manifesto of revolutionary love. So I totally recommend that. And she's an amazing, um, sick uh, activist and filmmaker and wise woman. And it was interesting, too, because just the other day I was listening to a podcast of her. And she's like, I call it my wise woman thing, where she basically talks herself like a wise woman. And I was like, hey, I do that, too. So I have a very like, strong kinship with her right now. Um, so definitely really recommend her work and she's very strong in the anti-racism movements and collective grieving and um, healing these revolutionary times. So please check it out. I will. We will. We will. We'll put in the show notes too. How about uh, you had you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite podcast? Uh, yeah, I, I've always... My go-to has always been on being. Oh, I love that one. That that was like my like I feel podcast OG. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just always find just I just if I just randomly will pick something and it's always really pertinent and I love it. That's one of my favorites. So yeah, on being. There's great ones about nature and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, for sure. How about yoga? Do you run yoga running? I run and I I definitely love running. That is one of my favorite things to do. Running and hiking. I mean, I do yoga as well, but it's more, my yoga is more just like a spiritual practice. But if I want to like be wild, I go for a run. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Are you like a book or Kindle kind of? Oh, I love a good book. Like, I mean, but um, I'm also transitioning to kindle now so yeah but the books that i have are like precious Mm -hmm. i think i always said to myself i would want to like die with all of my books (laughs) like let's say like the only thing i would i would have to have like a mover for is like my billion books (laughs) that's why i'm learning that a kindle could be a girl's best friend Okay, and what about like a favorite treat? I'm a wino. <laughs> I love wine. I love a good wine. I'm from California. It's like in my blood. So yeah. um, I love I love the way that we as humans craft with the plants and the foods. Mm. And so in any way that we do that well and sacredly, it's like so delicious. So anything, mm. I mean, there's a cookbook that I really like. Oh, but I forgot the name of the author, but it's called Ojas. Since maybe some of your yogis, you have yogis here, it's a great cookbook um, that that blends together Eastern and Western 
Ayurveda and uh, just really fun, delicious recipes that I've been learning to to do during this COVID time. Um, All right. So my last question is always kind of a loaded question, but um, I have faith in you. I think you can do it. Knowing what you know about the power of nature, what do you wish for this kind of new world that we're creating now? Like, what do you wish for women to know? I really feel that the new vision of the world is to start listening Mm. and to really like listen to the plants and the trees without putting your agenda on them. Listen to your girlfriends without thinking you know how to save them or what they could do better. Or I think it's just learning to listen, like just holding space for each other, holding space for nature and listen to what our soul knows and what it's been saying all of these years and I mean, allowing like nature's voice to be louder than our own is, I think, how we can actually live in harmony with each other and um, with nature. A little less competition and a lot more collaboration between women. (laughs) Yes, all for that. Giving you a standing ovation. What a potent conversation, Kimiko. Thank you so much for taking your time to share your so wisdom and knowledge. Thank you. I really appreciate you and everything you've given me. I learned so much from you. And I want to know where can we find you and, and how can we support you? Oh, thank you. I do feel super held and I love this collaboration. So thank you for having mm-hmm. me on the She Quest. That's Definitely one of my tattoos too. <laughs> um, uh, I am. I, I. I started and initiated a, a collaboration with my dear friend Layla, and it's called Vessel of Worth, and it's in alignment with uh, bringing women to their worthiness um, through ritual and through exploration. And so we'll be doing a free solstice ritual maybe this might be aired afterwards but either way on saturday the 20th so if people want to come and take a part of our solar bounty solstice ritual or go to vesselofworth.com or you can of course always find me at my school of ritual.com and many offerings all the time like i said i'm always creative so i can never say what's going to be next <laughs> but we'll be something. <laughs> we are so alike in so many ways <laughs> yeah and thank you so so much we can't wait to check out all your offerings and um thank, thank you for sharing you uh can we go namaste thank you namaste thank you This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.